Good morning. I am so glad that you could be at Central Church today. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. But we're in John this summer, and we're up to chapters 15 and 16. And 15 and 16, I say this whenever we're trying to capture two chapters in one week, there is too much meat for us to handle just in this one sermon. So we're going to do our best to do it, but there's just too, too much. Remember, Jesus now is in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows what the next uh, few hours really are going to entail for him. And there's a sense of urgency in his words. And so he's with the disciples in the upper room. He knows, and they know, they know there's tension in the air for sure. They couldn't miss that. And Jesus says, well, boys, I got some good news and some bad news. Which do you want first? Give us the bad news, Jesus. And he says this in chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, that's not a great way to start a sentence. If the world hates you, keep in mind hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Oh, Jesus, thanks a lot. <laughs> you, can we hear the good news? Sure, you can hear the good news. At the end of chapter 16, he says this, I have told you these things, the world hates you, all the rest. I have told you these things that you might have peace. Jesus, that's not very peaceful. The world hates you, have peace. I have told you these things that you might have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. Don't we all know that? But here's the good news. Ready? But take heart. I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Somebody in this room needs to hear that today. Somebody here. You know, I don't know where all you're coming from, what all you've come through, what you're going to get when you go home or when you go to work or when you go to school or whatever is coming right down the pipe. And for some of you, your world may be even, you feel like it's just crashing around you. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, don't worry, I'm with you, I got your back. Take heart, take heart. All right, we got to get to the meat of the passage since Joey wanted you to stand up and Nate said no. We're going to stand up for the reading of his word. We don't always do this because I skip around so much in scripture. You'd be popping up and down usually. But we're going to read chapter 15 through verse 17. <sighs> Last week, Amanda tried to get you to stand up. This week, Joey tried to... Next week, Joel will be back and he'll have you stand. Here we go. Jesus' words. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it'll bear even more fruit. Sometimes pruning isn't fun. Ah, he prunes the, the good for the great. Sometimes even pruning takes place in churches, and it's not always easy, and it's not always fun. Ah. You are already clean because the, the word I have spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that the truth? If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. We don't want that. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You can have complete joy, my brothers and sisters. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. Jesus is going to live that out in the next few hours. You are my friends. If you do what I have commanded you, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, still lasting 2,000 years later. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Lord is working here, right? Jesus is a great storyteller. And, and we know that from the Sermon on the Mount. He takes everyday things and, and puts it into, into meaning. And so in this case, he says, I am the vine. This is the last of those I am statements that are in the Gospel of John. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the resurrection, I'm the good shepherd. All those, those seven statements is the last one. I am the vine. Everybody would have known vines. There's great vines wherever you look. They, 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 because the drinking water was not always safe, they'd make grape wine or, or juice or whatever, and they would drink that. So there were, one, there were grape fields everywhere. Everyone knew what grape vines were. How many grape vines you got? Anybody got a grape vine in your backyard? Let me see your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight of us, nine, ten, maybe. I used to have a grape vine in Kansas. It never produced a grape, I don't think. Did we ever eat those grapes? No, we never did. Carla says, no, we never did. It was just like a hedge. I didn't want to see my neighbor. It was just a hedge between, and oh, it was there before we got there. We had great neighbors. I, I, you know, it was just a hedge between us and them. That's all that grapevine was. If we were in Nampa Valley, you know, wine country, then we would know grapevines probably better. We're in Flint, Michigan. Ah, what would Jesus say? If he were preaching, if he were talking to us in an upper room, trying to communicate the very same thing, what would he say? He would say, I am the power cord. I am the source of energy. I am the, I am the, the thing that gets you rolling when you're stuck. And you, well, you're the appliances. 
If you are me, you are the... Gotta be careful, gotta be careful, gotta be careful. Unplug it, they told me right away. That's a dumb illustration, all that for that. Jesus is telling these people, I am the vine. I am the nourishment. I am what keeps you going. If you're connected to me, you know how a branch and vines are connected? You sometimes, you can't even tell where the branch ends and the vine begins and back, but you know, when you are so connected, that's what he wants. When I was in elementary school, I had a friend named uh, Kenny, but no one called him Kenny, we all called him Goober. And, and me and Goober, we were, we were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all together, and, and Goober and I did everything together. We, we traded baseball cards. We rode our bikes through the neighborhood all the time. Uh, we played Monopoly. Uh, I'd stay, stay at his house. He'd stay at my house. And, and, you know, Goober and I, my mom said we were connected at the hip. Have you ever heard that phrase? Because wherever Goober was, I was. Wherever I was, Goober was. We were just a team. And that's what I think Jesus is talking about. But here's the problem. In third grade, so we were together in first grade, second grade, or kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Third grade, I, I had Miss Mitchell, and, and he had Mrs. Furman. And so I didn't see Kenny as much. And then, and then I skipped fourth grade, went to fifth grade. That's a long, messy story. But I went to fifth grade, and so I had a different lunch hour than Goober, and I had a different recess time than Goober. And, and Goober and I, you know, there was no big breakup. There was no big you know, thing, we just kind of went different ways. And by sixth grade, you know, he had his friends and I had, I had my friends. And I think, I think, I think, sometimes that can happen in a relationship with Jesus. It's not a big breakup. It's kind of a slow fade. Quite honestly, I think the pandemic has, has enabled that slow fade to become a quicker fade. And it's not like we get mad at him, oh, I want nothing to do with you. It's more, uh, yeah, we're friends. But the power source, the connection, isn't nearly as close. I think that's where this chapter, chapter 15, can help us. You know, in this, in this chapter, in verses from, between verses 4 and 10, so what, seven verses, he says, remain th- 10 times. Here's a Bible tip. If you're ever reading scripture and you come to a certain passage that that says the same thing 10 times in seven verses, that probably means that God's trying to tell you something. And so in these seven verses, it's remain, 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 remain. Was that seven times? I don't know how many times. It's remain to me. Stay with me, be connected to me, be plugged into me. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not, trouble. I have a friend in seminary. Um, he was super smart. Uh, we were, we, if I would tell your name, he was super connected in the, in the Church of the Nazarene. If I told you his name, you've been around Nazarene circles for a long time, you might even recognize his parents' name. Probably by now, he's the type of guy, head of the class type of guy, who would be, you know, who knows, maybe even general superintendent. And something happened. I don't know what it was. 
um, maybe it was something in his church or maybe he saw some hypocrisy or you know how it goes. Something happened. And my friend, my friend, who's so connected, right? I mean, he's super smart and super connected. He walked away. He walked away from it all. I mean, not, he, he, left, he left seminary. He left the church. He walked away from Jesus. A few years ago, when I was still living in Kansas City, he was living in Kansas City. We were friends, right? And so I called him up as before an Easter. And I said, hey, Easter's coming. Why don't you and your family come to, we're going to have a great service. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Why don't you come? And his first words out of his mouth were, did my dad tell you to call? I said, no, man, I, I haven't talked to your dad. I just thought, you know, it's Easter. Everybody needs to be at church on Easter. And he said, all right, well, maybe we'll come. So I watched. I watched all Easter Sunday, you know. There's a big crowd, everything else going on. But I was watching. I'm watching, watching for my friend. He's got to come. He's got to come, man. I remember when he was so on fire for Jesus. He's got to come. He didn't come. And, you know, his story is being retold over and over and over again these days. I mean, there's been studies, lots of studies are being done. People are heading for the exits from churches. There's not as, churches aren't as full as they used to be. People aren't as close. Uh, uh, This generation isn't as connected as the last generation, which wasn't as connected as the last generation before it. What in the world is going on? Can we ask that question? Can Can we talk about that this morning? What is happening? I think John 15 here can help us. It seems that Jesus is saying two things are happening, really. And one of those things is on the people who are walking away. And one of those things is on us who stayed. The, 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 The truth of the matter is, every single one of us have responsibility for our own Christian walk. You're not, going to he- you're not going to heaven because your parents or your grandparents or whatever. They might be, you know, you're not going to get in. It's you. You have to make a decision. It is 100% your responsibility if you're going to heaven or not. You decide whether you're going to follow Jesus or not. And you know what? You can't make someone follow Jesus. And some of you parents and grandparents or you may have, maybe it's your parents that aren't following Jesus or a sibling that's not following Jesus. You can't make them. You cannot, you can, you can, you can wish and pray. You can't make, here's, but here's the deal. Here's tangent. This week is prayer week, right? Every single one of us has someone that you know that needs Jesus. Do you know someone that needs Jesus? Let me ask you this. Do you believe that prayer works? Then every single one of you should pick up one of those cards and before you leave, write down their name and put it in one of those boxes. And then what you need to do all week long is pray, commit to praying for that person every single day. I've done it already. You put that name in that box, you put it in in those boxes over there, they're gonna be brought up here this week and over the course of the next week, you know, they'll be prayed over, over. We've got 164 hours starting at one o'clock going till next Sunday morning at eight o'clock and someone's gonna be praying and do you think that God will hear those prayers? I think he will. Do you think God will, will speak to those people's names that you put on the cards? I think he will. And what might happen, what might happen? You might come next Sunday and say, I can't believe it. I wrote down my daughter's name. I wrote down my mom's name. I wrote down my cousin's name. And guess what happened? 
you can't make them. But Jesus hears us when we pray, and you can be sure that God, God will speak to them, and God will give them opportunity, and you don't know what God might use that they might come to know him. <sighs> Commercial done. We need to be praying this week. I think we've got five more prayer spots, by the way, open for folks to pray, and so if you want to be a hero and pray at two in the morning or four in the morning or something like that, you can still, you still have a chance to wake up in the middle of the night. All right, where am I at? I love this passage, and I love the way the New King James Version reads part of this. And so it, it reads like this. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear, its, bear fruit of itself unless... It abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I like the word abide. We don't say abide very much these days. That's probably why the NIV made it remain. But I like the word abide in the sense, you know, oh, dear Carla, won't you abideth with me? You know, it's just... We don't talk that way. We don't talk that way. But abide is a deeply theological word that we miss with the remain. Abide, the Greek word here, the Greek word is meno. John uses it a lot, not just in this chapter. In fact, in 16 of the 21 chapters, this word remain or abide appears. The noun version of this word is manoai, and you know where that's found? It's found in John 14, verse 1. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house are many manoai. He's saying, saying, in my Father's house is the dwelling. And Jesus is saying, that's what I want for you. I want you to be so close to me, so plugged into me, so connected to me, that we are dwelling together, me in you, you in me, that you can't tell the difference where one ends and the other begins. That's what I want for you. I want you to abide in me and you abide together. That's what Jesus is after. This is why sometimes we talk in terms like this. Well, you just need a relationship with Jesus. You know, you say the prayer, you raise your hand, you, you know, you do the steps, you get your get out of you know, H-E double hockey stick free card and you're good to go. It's more than that. It's more than just, uh, it's even more than just that relationship type language. It'd be like, suppose, I, I don't know, is anyone having a baby, anyone pregnant? I'm not gonna ask any ladies if you're pregnant. <laughs> Carla's done that before one time. She asked a lady and to her, to, you know, in her defense, the lady looked like she was about to have twins. <laughs> So, so when's the baby due? Oh, I'm not pregnant. Don't do that. But suppose one of you were expecting a baby and I had to come up here and I said, we're gonna interview that baby, that baby in your womb. And, and suppose, you know, this extra smart baby, I'd say, baby, do you have a relationship with your mother? And the baby, you know, all scrunched up looking like an alien would say, excuse me? And we'd say, do you have a relationship with your mother? And scrunched up baby would say, I thought that was what you said. That's the dumbest question I have ever heard in my life. Do I have a relationship with her? Well, yeah, 
yes, of course I have a relationship with her, but it's so much more than that. I can't breathe, I can't live without her. She supplies my nourishment. She supplies everything to me. We are so, can I, you know, do I have a relationship? That is a colossal understatement. We'd say, wow, this preborn baby has a pretty good vocabulary. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. It's more than a relationship. It's Jesus in you. You and he's abiding in you. We used to sing a song, an old hymn, old, old, old hymn. It goes, it goes to the chorus. It says something like, constantly abiding. Jesus is mine. Constantly abiding. Then the next word, we never say this, rapture divine. It mean, it's not talking about going to heaven. It's talking about this experience of abiding with Jesus, this knowing that Jesus is mine. He's in me, I'm in him. That's a rapture divine. No matter what else is going on around me, I've got Jesus. Constantly dividing, rapture divine. That's what we're after here, the line of that, of that world, where we're so you know, connected, quote unquote. Social media has been, and more people are lonely than ever. He never leaves me lonely, whispers, oh, so fine. I'm listening, Jesus. I will never leave you. Jesus is mine. That's what that's saying. It's saying, I need this constant abiding with Jesus. I need him in me, me and him. I've got to remain abide, plugged in, whatever, whatever words you want to use, saying, I'm with Jesus, he's with me. That's what we're talking about here. So back to my original question. What in the world's going on? Why are folks walking away? Part of it is on them. They're not remaining. Part of it is on them. You know, they've, they've, they've allowed this slow fade. It's not a breakup, it's just a slow fade. Yes, I love Jesus, sure, he's my friend. It's a slow fade, it's getting away, it's getting away, it's getting away until I barely hear his voice. But part of it is on us, my brothers and sisters. Because what did Jesus tell us? To the individual, remain in me. To the church, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. I'm convinced, I don't have any uh, scientific data, but I'm convinced that people will not walk away if they know they're loved. People, people will put up with bad preaching. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. People will put up with music that's not their taste and style. You know, we have a choir this week. Next week, Joel's here. You know, people will put up with that. People will put up with non-essentials if they know they're loved, if they know they have family, if they know that this is a place that cares for them. That's exactly what we're talking about in our growing together stuff. It's saying our seniors are important, our students are important, everybody's important. We want them to know the love of Jesus. We want them to know that this is a safe place. We want them to know that they're cared for. That's what this whole thing is about. My command is this, love each other. What did you, even before that, verse 12, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 17, love each other. It's like Jesus is banging his drum, you know? Saying, fellas, make sure you get this. If you don't get this, the whole thing is blown up. You gotta love each other. Notice Jesus didn't say, love each other as long as they think like you, vote like you, act like you, have the same ideas. He didn't say that. 
He just said, love each other. Just to be clear, to be totally clear, you don't have to compromise your convictions to be nice, to be friendly, to be loving, to be kind to those people that don't vote or think or act or do what you do. Does that make sense? In this world where there's so much garbage going on, our world has sent this lie that said, if you don't agree, then you must not love. Absolutely wrong. You can love everybody. It doesn't matter how they vote or how they think or what they do. We're called to love. Let Jesus worry about all the rest. Love one another. Our job is to make sure that folks love, that folks know our love. Does that make sense? Their job is to remain, be plugged in, stay connected. And see, I think the problem sometimes is people feel, whether it's from the vibe we give off or the words we say or the things we post, that if their ideas are different, if they're coming from a different spot, if they have a different idea, they won't be loved. We gotta change that. We gotta let folks know that we love them and care for them no matter what. You pick the hot button button topic, whatever you want. There's a lot of junk going on. Pick whatever. Think of who's got the opposite view. Do they know you love them? They might know you think differently. They might know that, you know, we're at complete opposite ends of this spectrum. But do they know you love them? That's more important than them knowing what your stance is. Do they know you love them? And when you love them, when they know you love them, that's a wonderful thing. The fact of the matter is, Jesus says right here, John 15, 6, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. He's talking about that we will, that people will see, how is he bearing fruit? He bared fruit by going to the cross sacrificial love. That's what he's talking about here. This is all connected. You and me, me and you, remain, be connected so that you might bear fruit. What's the fruit? Loving each other. That's the fruit. Not this, but this. Not not hatred, but love. Not going after, but coming after. Does that make sense? What we, What our world needs is for people so connected to Jesus that their love for him just oozes out. And even when you disagree about things, they know you love them. Even if you, if you differ on things, you're not going after, you're loving, you're loving, you're loving, you're loving. And as Jesus opened the, the doors, not when you kick down the doors, as Jesus opened the doors, then you can have some of those meaningful conversations. But it's only done in the context of complete and utter love.